Welcome into the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Hauselder, joined by Alex Sutton, bringing you your fantasy football content from A to Z. Thanks for tuning in. What is up, everyone? Welcome into the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Zach Householder. I'll actually be rolling solo tonight. Um, Alex's kids' birthdays were the past couple weeks, and he's got a bunch of family members in town. So he's tied up. You're going to be kicking it with me for this episode. Uh, this is the week five preview. I'm actually going to change things up since it's just me. I don't want to listen to myself talk um, and just stumble through a whole episode. So I'm actually going to cut things a little short tonight. So uh, yeah, just tune in, follow along, and uh, yeah, I appreciate you listening as always. Uh, be sure to check us out on Twitter at A to Z FFB, and then check me out on Twitter at Zach FFB, that's Z-A-C-K-F-F-B. And yeah, you can connect, connect with us, you can send us questions, and just follow along, ask anything that you want. Um, my specific page is open to all topics, football or otherwise. So yeah, I'd love to engage with you, get to know you guys better. It's been a blast being a part of the fantasy football community. Uh, met some great people. So yeah, follow along and let's connect. Go ahead and hop right into the news. The uh, big news this week is obviously the COVID outbreak in Tennessee that has now, we've seen other teams impacted. Um, Tennessee is now at 23 cases and I'm recording on October 8th. So Thursday and this morning, there was another confirmed case bringing it up to 23. The Bills and Titans game is 100% in jeopardy this week. They've moved the game to Tuesday tentatively, but the Titans can have no more positive tests between now and Tuesday in order for them to play that game. And speculation is that they could be forced to forfeit the game because they actually broke the NFL COVID guidelines by holding practices and workouts outside of team facilities against the rules Obviously, when there's a COVID outbreak, you don't want to be gathering, and that's exactly what they did. So kind of a bonehead move by the Titans. Um, I understand it. I understand that you. It's, it's hard to practice and prepare for a game virtually, but given the circumstances, that's what we have to do. We've seen other, um, other teams have positive cases. The Falcons were the first, and they didn't have an outbreak that impacted over 20 people on their team in counting. The Patriots are at two with Cam Newton, Stephon Gilmore. It appears to be under control. Um, their tests are negative in the following days. So that's trending in a good direction. I think that game was rescheduled too, but the Titans and the Bills is the hot button item right now. Tentatively scheduled for Tuesday. Any more positive tests, I think that game is canceled. Honestly, the Titans have already used their buy because they had to forego last week's game. And yeah, we could see a forfeit because the Titans are breaking the COVID guidelines, which it sucks. And honestly, I've talked about this in previous episodes and on Twitter, I've been pretty critical lately of the NFL. A few episodes ago, I gave them props. I said, I didn't think that we'd be here. I didn't think the season would start on time. I didn't think we'd be playing a 16 game schedule. And then I said, I don't think they have a plan. And here we are, we find ourselves in a situation where a team is really at the source of this outbreak. And it, it's messing everything up from a scheduling standpoint. So it's going to be really interesting to see. We've already heard talks of Tuesday games. 
that's the latest they can play during the week. And if they can't get him in by Tuesday, then they're going to have to push him back later in the season, messing around with bye weeks and things like that. It's going to get really messy. So, yeah, this game, I would be prepared for these two teams not to play. So that's – and we'll talk about that later. So, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm disappointed in the Titans. I understand the motive behind the workouts. But when we're in times like this, we, we can't take these kind of risks because – it's not only the players that are at risk, it's then the coaches and the staff and the equipment managers and team doctors and all that, that all these people have families and their health is all at risk by these irresponsible actions. So not a fan, get your shit together, Tennessee, and let's get back on the road with some football. So go ahead and move in now. We have a listener question. This is going to be an interesting one for me. Uh, it's our buddy, Neil. Again, he's a returning listener really committed listener and we really appreciate that so uh yeah as i mentioned at the top of the show submit your questions at a to z ffb or at zach ffb and yeah we'll get you on the show so neil asks how are your preseason rankings or projections holding up a quarter of the way through the season so a little caveat here is this is my first year doing projections and shout out to kyle yates at the fantasy pros team he actually made a template available that i use to build my projections and it was a very, very tedious task. It was very confusing at first, but once I kind of locked in, um, it was fun. I had a good time building those projections. Unfortunately, I didn't figure it out until just a few weeks before the season started. So I didn't have as much time to consume all the, the news and really refine my process in terms of building the projections. So I was rushed and I'm not going to make excuses because really this is a total trial run and what a shit show of a, a season to jump into something like this with like the COVID situations, players could be missing games. So this is a light trial run for me in terms of just getting comfortable with the process of building projections. Next year, I will be really in tune with statistics, some of those deeper analytical items to help me understand production in terms of fantasy points scored and how I can then turn that into good projections and good rankings. Um, that being said, I'm not disappointed with how my rankings are, are turning out. And you can find my rankings at the website. And we have a link tree pinned to our Twitter bio. And the website's the bottom link on there. The, my rankings are up there. It's a Google Doc and I haven't touched it in about a month. So it's just kind of the honor system. But I have not edited any rankings to kind of make my, my stuff match what's going on now. It's just a... Uh, just out there and I'm going to look at the end of the season, see how it's going right now. I would not, I'm not super thrilled. I mean, if you look at the list, you're going to be like, wow, you're way off. I'm like, yes, you're right. But one, it's early. We're 25% of the way through the season Two, the injuries. Like you, I don't project for injuries. I didn't this year and I probably won't next year. It's just been so hard to, to wrap your head around. These guys are missing games We're four games in there's people who've only played one or two games that I have ranked pretty high, like Chris Godwin, for example, that is wide receiver four overall. And he's like wide receiver 40 right now, or even lower than that. So I thought he was going to play all the games. And when he's on the field, he's very productive. We've seen that, but he's missed two out of four games. So he's way down the list. And I don't think my rankings are a failure yet, but it'll be interesting to see um, where he ends up and what his availability is moving forward. So that kind of led me into the next segment here, which is kind of a temperature check through four weeks. I'm going to go through three players that I think are trending up and then three that are trending down. And the trending down list hurts me pretty bad because 
all three of them are my guys from our my guys episode which you can go back and listen to if you want to hear why i like these guys check that one out um i I don't remember what number it is but it's in the list you can figure it out so um trending up we'll start with antonio gibson who is one of my guys i picked two running backs antonio gibson was my second running back and he's looked good he's looked the part and i picked him because of the situation combined with the athleticism and his profile i just really liked what i saw even though it was limited in college i said that guy's gonna be good and he's a rookie he's figuring things out. And then now we see Kyle Allen is going to be the quarterback moving forward, at least for the the near future. There's talks that it's a game to game basis with Kyle Allen. But the thing with Kyle Allen is he has been in Ron Rivera's system in Carolina and in Carolina, in that Ron Rivera system, the running back was so heavily targeted. So, and that's obviously CMC, but Antonio Gibson played wide receiver in college, which I think obviously speaks to his hands and currently his PFF grade is 83.8, which PFF, like love it or hate it. It's good data. I don't know. It's good to kind of set a benchmark for yourself, but his 83.8 grade is currently higher than Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara and shortly behind Dalvin Cook. So he's in some really good company with how he's running. Um, It's just, he plays on a bad team. So he's not getting all the the pub and the highlights because he hasn't had one of those blow up games yet. So he currently ranks as the RB19. And last week was when we really saw his involvement kind of step up in the passing game. He went over 80 yards passing or receiving, sorry. Um, Yeah, so I'm excited for Gibson as we proceed in the season. I think Kyle Allen is, it's a trend up for Gibson, which, I mean, the kind of athlete he is, that's why I picked him as a my guy, despite the 77 career touches at Memphis. So I'm excited to see what the rest of his season looks like. Uh, my next trending up guy is DK Metcalf. And he was a guy that it was a hot debate over the offseason who's going to be the wide receiver one in Seattle. And I was on the Metcalf side just because how he ended the year last year. Like you could see that he was figuring things out and he was doing it quickly. And enter year two, he has 90 plus receiving guards in every game this year. And that's three touchdowns through the first four games. And what you see when you watch Metcalf is he is so much better as a route runner. So his big knock was the three cone drill at the combine, which like look at DK Metcalf and tell me that you give two shits about a three cone drill. Like he looks like Julio Jones meets Calvin Johnson physically and he's insane speed. So now add in the agility and the route running and he's unguardable at some points in the NFL. You saw him smoke Stephon Gilmore when the uh, Seahawks played the Patriots and what was probably my favorite game of the year so far, but Metcalf is currently the wide receiver two on the season and the Seahawks defense is horrid and Russ is going to continue to throw. So Metcalf is going to be the beneficiary there and he's an alpha. He's a true alpha. So having Lockett on the other side, you can't give all the defensive attention to Metcalf, which I think lines him up really, really well for a, a nice end or I guess continuation to the season And I like him to finish as a wide receiver one if the Seahawks stay on this current trajectory, which based on the poor play of their defense, they're going to have to continue to throw and Metcalf's going to be heavily involved in that. So my third trending up player is Dak Prescott, currently the quarterback too, and he's on an insane pace. So his last three games, he has had at least 450 yards. I think it went 450, 472 And then in week four, he threw for 502 yards. And 
just crazy. They lost the game. I think they lost all of those games, if I if I'm correct there. But Dak, it's not Dak's fault. That's the thing is he's playing out of his mind. He's gone for 1,690 passing yards in the first four games. His pace is set to smash the NFL record set by Peyton Manning. So it 1,690 yards through the first four games, he's averaging 422 and a half yards per game. And his 16 game pace is 6,760 yards. Peyton Manning's NFL record set in 2013 when he was in Denver was 5,477. So similar to what I just said with DK Metcalf and why he'll continue to succeed, Dak, the Cowboys defense is also one of the worst in the league. So he's going to have to continue to throw to keep them in games. And usually they're playing from behind. So he's just going off. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he gets to 6,000 yards because that is absolute let's 600 more yards or roughly 500 more yards than the previous record is crazy but i think that record could be in jeopardy if you look at what dak is doing right now and i don't really see it getting better especially with them losing leighton bander ash in week one the defense is so depleted and the secondary is just straight trash so dak is a qb2 and i don't know if there's a quarterback that i would want more than dak necessarily for fantasy football I could th- maybe Patrick Mahomes and maybe Russell Wilson. Those would be my two. Lamar Jackson's not performing well. He's also injured. Um, yeah, I just, Dak is doing too well right now. And I definitely want to give him a shout out here on the pod as uh, one of my trending up players. So now to my trending down, and this is where I get a little somber, starting with DJ Moore, currently the wide receiver 35. Um, this was supposed to be a panic meter segment, but I needed to uh, raise my spirits. So I talked about three good guys and then now I'm talking about three bad guys. So my panic meter on DJ Moore is actually at around a six out of 10. He doesn't look like the wide receiver one right now. Robbie Anderson is currently the wide receiver 12 in fantasy football and DJ Moore. Yeah. Down at wide receiver 35. So Moore has seen 32 targets and caught 18 of those balls. When you think of Moore, you think as a, an intermediate route runner, and a, a reliable guy to get you the ball or to throw him the ball and to have a 56.2% catch rate at this point in the season is insane, especially contrasted versus Robbie Anderson, who we think of as a deep threat, 34 targets. So he's got more targets, 28 receptions. That's an 82.4% catch rate. And again, Anderson ranks as the, the 12 wide receiver 12 on the year. So it looks like they kind of just switched roles. Like Moore is this deep threat with a low catch percentage and is not super reliable. And Robbie Anderson is Teddy Bridgewater's first read and just getting all those gimme targets and doing like getting the yak. Although Robbie Anderson's play style is that deep threat. He's just looking really, really good right now. So my panic meter at a six, I, I think some people are higher. I think some people are eight or nine ready to be done with DJ Moore. And I get it. But the reason I'm not fully out yet is one, it's early. Two, he is still super talented and we can't take that away from him. So on the season, despite being disappointing, Moore is still just shy of 300 yards, hasn't scored a touchdown yet, but he's got those targets. I mean, he's right up there with Anderson. I know Anderson has more, but it's not like Moore is uninvolved and I think it's just a matter of time. And this weekend, he's got a really good matchup. So this could be the weekend that we see DJ Moore kind of go off like we thought he would be. I had DJ Moore as like my wide receiver eight or something like that 
preseason. So this one does hurt. And yeah, I'm really hoping that he gets it figured out because he's coming off of a great season. Like I had him as a wide receiver, like a wide receiver one inside my top 10 because he's coming off of an 1100 yard season with only four touchdowns. I was like, the touchdowns are going to go up and the yardage totals are going to remain consistent. And that's not looking to be true. So these next few weeks are going to be crucial for DJ Moore. And I'm really hoping that we see some more out of him, his upcoming matchups. So he's got Atlanta this weekend, which is a great matchup for wide receivers, Chicago, and then new Orleans. So should be high scoring games. Cause again, Carolina's defense sucks. So they're going to be relying on the pass. It's just looking like it's Anderson instead of Moore, which is kind of puzzling. But if you think about the connection between Robbie Anderson and head coach, Matt rule, they played together at temple. So, um, I just didn't think that'd be that big of a deal when you have a guy as talented as DJ Moore. So a dynasty, if you're playing dynasty, he's a hold right now. You can't sell him at this value. It's so low. You're not going to get what he's like really worth because he's so talented. So yeah, just hold him right now and just ride it out. He's still super young. So still, I think a, a top 10, top 12 dynasty asset at wide receiver. So my next guy is Jonathan Taylor. And he currently ranks as the RB 16, which like, yeah, that's fine. You drafted him in the third or fourth round. And my panic meter on him is low. Like it's a three. He just hasn't really wowed me yet. He's been the starter full time since week two, because Marlon Mack went down with the torn Achilles in week one. And like I said, he just hasn't broken those big runs that we're used to seeing from Wisconsin. So I'm not freaking out too bad because he's still the starter he's clearly the best back on the team but the Colts aren't quite letting him get in a rhythm he's on the field he's off the field he just needs to stay on the field so he can build up that rhythm he's a big guy he's going to be a guy later in the game that people don't want to tackle but he's got to figure out his own rhythm and timing and how to hit these holes in the NFL because it doesn't look like he's quite there yet so Taylor's still totally fine panic meters low on him but just something to monitor that I've been paying attention to, I guess, is like I've been watching the Colts games just to see what he looks like. And I'm just like, not that impressed yet. So I think it's coming. He's got one 100 yard game already. And I think that we're going to be in for a good rest of the season from Jonathan Taylor. But yeah, just my thoughts through four weeks. And my last panic player is Chris Godwin. Um, he's currently the wide receiver 68. So yeah, I mentioned him earlier. He's much lower than I originally said, but he's only played in two games. He missed one game with a concussion and then missed the other game with a hamstring. He actually is currently out with that hamstring. He missed week four with the hammy, ruled out week five with the hammy. So my panic meter on Godwin is a five. It's like right in the middle. When he's on the field, you know, he's elite. Like he absolutely broke out last year. He's so good. He's so good. He's scored, I think, two touchdowns this year and played in two games. So that's awesome. But with missing two games this early in the season with two different injuries, and you got to factor in his season last year ended because of a hamstring injury. That gives me some pause. I am worried about that. So it's not the talent as much as it's the availability. So it's not like in DJ Moore's case, I'm worried about the team's just not using him when Godwin when Godwin is on the field, they're using him. It's just how often is he going to be out there, especially nursing an injury, a soft tissue injury that is prone to be re-injured um, that he's dealt with in the past. So 
it's a five on Godwin. I'd like to see him back in week six, see what he looks like and see if we can get like consistent play out of him the rest of the season. Cause he's another guy I had ranked. I think it's my wide receiver four. So going to need a big, big back half of the season for him. So we're going to go ahead and move on now in recording on Thursday. Um, I'll go ahead and pick the bucks to win the game. even though it's play- being played right now. Uh, the bears just aren't doing it for me. Despite the bucks being super, super depleted three point favorites, um, three and a half point favorites actually is the current line. So I'll pick the bucks there. Carolina, Atlanta, this is one of my favorite matchups of the weekend because of the 54-point over-under with two horrid defenses and two high-flying offenses. I would be starting all your pieces here. Uh, Julio Jones is questionable to play, so keep an eye on that. And I saw, I think Dr. Edwin Porras said he'd be surprised if Julio plays this weekend. So have a backup plan ready. Uh, Calvin Ridley coming off a goose egg, which, like, hell yes, because I'm a Packers fan, so Jair Alexander shut him down. Absolutely loved it. Calvin Ridley is a smash play this week versus that defense. Hayden Hurst is a, he's a go. Um, Russell Gage and Olomini, Zachary, I don't know, Zacchaeus. I don't know his name. Zacchaeus. It's a sweet last name. But uh, I, I would say if you're desperate for a start, you could start Zacchaeus here in a pinch. Um, on Carolina's side, Mike Davis has been smashing. You continue to play him. And I think you expect RB2 numbers. So I was kind of wrong on Davis. And I will happily admit that because uh, my thought was that it'd be a bump for more and Davis to just be like a jag and Davis is actually looking pretty good. Um, they've won both the starts since he's been the starter. And I apologize if you can hear the helicopter in the background here, but uh, anyways, Anderson's a play and DJ Moore, I am starting this week with the matchup. I'm confident in the start with this matchup. And I'm hoping that this is the week where DJ Moore gives you that, high-end wide receiver production that we drafted him for so yeah i like atlanta to win the game but the i think the the panthers can keep this one close i think the the falcons are they're zero and four they're due for a win and if they don't win this game it's going to be uh potentially bye-bye dan quinn so i know i've been kind of hot taken on which coaches get fired but pretty crazy um next we'll have las vegas and kansas city Kansas City is a 12-point favorite and a 55-point over-under. That's a, a high-scoring game, and I think Kansas City, obviously, is 12-point favorite is going to be doing most of the scoring. You start all your pieces in Kansas City. Um, McCole Hardman's now found the end zone in two straight games, so I think he's a flex play if you need a deeper option with high upside. Sammy Watkins has been consistently involved. Tyreek Hill looking pretty good. Um, Travis Kelsey, obviously, start, and then Clyde Edwards Alaire, you start him. So it's pretty easy when you have your Chiefs, you just start him because the offense is so good. Um, when it comes to Las Vegas, I saw Henry Ruggs is practicing in full, so he'll be back on the field. And given this matchup, I think Ruggs is a good play because they're gonna need some of that Tyreek Hill like energy to keep this game close if they want to compete. Uh, Darren Waller has been a consistent target for Derek Carr and the Chiefs are actually pretty vulnerable to the run. So Josh Jacobs was a sit for me last week, and he's been pretty underwhelming the past three weeks, uh, ever since week one where he was the RB1 overall. But I like Jacobs in this matchup because we all know the way to beat the Chiefs is to keep the ball on the ground and run some clock. So if they can keep this game close, Jacobs is going to have a huge workload. And if they're falling behind, Jacobs is still an effective pass catcher when they choose to use him that way, which they might have to out of necessity this week in a, a shootout with the Chiefs. So like the Chiefs to win, but another fantasy rich matchup where I wouldn't be afraid to start most of these guys. 
Um, the deeper receivers for the Raiders, uh, Nelson Aguilar and Zay Jones, I'm out. Um, I don't think that was really a big deal anyways, but Hunter Renfro is interesting given the uh, Brian Edwards is still out. So Renfro will be on the field and um, yeah, worth a start if you need him. So Denver, New England, I think this is the game that has been rescheduled for Monday due to New England's positive COVID tests. I believe Cam Newton and Stefan Gilmore will miss this game. I don't think it matters much. Uh, New England is just a better team. They have the best coach in the history of football, in my opinion. So uh, I don't know if I want to start anyone from this game necessarily. Uh, Damian Harris is interesting because he came back off IR last week and looked pretty good. He recorded over 90 yards rushing in his first game back, and he was getting a lot of buzz in the preseason. So I actually touched on him in the week three roundup article as a waiver wire. So hopefully you're able to get him before last week's performance. Uh, Denver, I guess you start Jerry Judy and Melvin Gordon. Philip Lindsay's coming back to action this week. Don't know if he'll be a full, like full go in the game, but worth noting, if you have him on your IR, you can move him off of your IR and drop someone else i would keep him on your roster for sure because when he's healthy and back in the full swing of things he's going to be relied on pretty heavily given the uh, the quarterback situation there in denver so i would start judy pretty comfortably i think kj hamler's out or injured super limited so don't start him tim patrick was an interesting name last week he got into the end zone i mean if you're starting Tim Patrick, you're pretty desperate. And so do what you got to do. I don't blame you for doing it if you have no better options, but I think there's better names out there. If you have um, a deeper bench, you should be able to find someone to start over a guy like Tim Patrick. So New England, I'm not super stoked on anyone outside of uh, Damian Harris and James White, probably. And then Julian Edelman, obviously you probably start him every week. So we'll go ahead and move on to the Rams and the Washington football team. Rams are seven-point favorites and a 46.5-point over-under. I talked about Antonio Gibson earlier. His continued involvement in both the rushing and the receiving game make him a weekly play, in my opinion, as like a flex. I don't think he's quite in the RB2 conversation yet, despite being ranked as RB19. So as a low-end RB2, I still think you're going to want more consistency from your RB2 on your team but I would happily flex Antonio Gibson as we continue to see his role increase in that offense. It'll be really interesting to see how Kyle Allen uses Antonio Gibson. So he could very, very soon be in the RB2 conversation every single week. So Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson, I am starting the, that's probably it for the Washington football team for the Rams fire them all up. This is a great matchup. Uh, Jared Goff should have a good game. The Washington football team is pretty susceptible to the pass. So Cooper Cup and Robert Wood should have good games. Tyler Higby, I said earlier in a previous pod, I'm not a Higby guy. He's been pretty absent the past couple of weeks. So, I mean, if you drafted him, you probably got him late because he was one of those like late round names. Currently, Higby is the tight end six. So not bad at the surface level but that ranking is coming primarily off that three touchdown game and i think week two and those are the only three touchdowns he has on the season so higby i've just never been in on it i don't know i think there's better options for golf to throw to cooper cup looks like he's playing better in that 12 personnel scheme and it looks like they're just scheming the ball to him more which he's probably golf's favorite target so that makes all the sense in the world 
So yeah, you start the receivers and then the backfield where oh, I'm sorry about Daryl Henderson last week, guys. Um, I'm, I'm done with the, the Rams running backs again until we get things figured out. It looked like Henderson was going to be a workhorse. And then he goes from 20 carries to eight carries. So I'm going to let that, let that fizzle out. Cam Akers is recovering from that rib injury. He could be back this week. So if it's a three-headed monster, no thanks. I will wait and see what's going on. So leave those guys on your bench and just you're going to have to wait and see with the Rams. So the passing attack in LA, I'll start Higby reluctantly, but I will start him just because I think the, uh, the, the football team is, they're beatable through the air. So like the Rams to win that game. Jacksonville and Houston, this is a sneaky, sneaky good fantasy matchup. It's a 54 and a half point over under. Houston's favored by five and a half. Uh, some of the biggest news I didn't touch on at the top of the show was Bill O'Brien was fired this week. He was the first coach to go. And I mean, it, it was needed. He was kind of junk and he really just left the Houston Texans in ruins when it comes to future seasons. Like they have no first or second round pick next year. They traded away one of the best wide receivers in the league for David Johnson and a second round pick. So it's pretty wild what Bill did in his time in Houston. He's no longer there. I think that's probably for the best defensive coordinator. Romeo Cornell is the interim head coach and he was a head coach for the Browns back in the day. So a guy with head coaching experience, you could be worse off there in Houston. So it'll be interesting. I like Houston to win this game just because I, I think they have a better quarterback and Will Fuller when healthy is a better option. I think than anything Minshew has going on, on his team. Um, receiving wise i think james robinson is a, a way better running back at this point than david johnson but we'll talk about jacksonville in a minute um houston i think you can you definitely start will fuller you start deshaun watson that's a really good stack this week just like it was last week when fuller got in the end zone um that's maybe it randall cobb is an okay name because the defense is bad brandon cooks has been virtually uninvolved david johnson the matchup's good on paper, but we just haven't seen very impressive things out of Johnson the past few weeks. So I think you temper expectations with David Johnson and you just kind of see what you can get. So if you have to start him, I wouldn't expect great things from him. But I mean, you drafted him probably in the fourth, fifth or sixth round. He's currently the RB25 or last week he was the RB25. Sorry. Um, on the week scoring less than 10 points versus Minnesota, who's on paper, also a good matchup. So I think David Johnson's kind of that, that meh player that we got last year while he was still actually in the start of the season, it was good, but he's kind of in that meh category where you're like, ah, I mean, it's not exciting, but you probably have to start him anyways. Uh, Jacksonville, James Robinson, smash start. Houston is worst in the league versus the run. Robinson is currently the RB six on the year and half PPR. He is a stud and I'll talk about him later in my start of the week segment. Um, I like DJ Chark, obviously in this game, Minshew. That's a pair right there that they look to be back. Chark got in the end zone twice last week. And Minshew is, I think he's a good quarterback. I know the week that I said he's a weekly play, they got their asses whipped by Miami. That did not age well, but Minshew bounced back last week nicely, even though they lost the game for fantasy football. He's a good start. Um, and then the other name I really like is LaVisca Chenault, and he is just a total gadget, but he's not like that gadget you don't want to touch, like a Cordero Patterson. Um, LaVisca is scheme the ball in multiple ways every single week. He has a rushing attempt every single game this year. 
He is a wide receiver. He's the wide receiver two on the team. Last week, he went for over 80 yards through the air. So he's starting to get more and more involved. The coaching staff is loving what they're seeing out of LaVisca Chenault. And they don't think that he's kind of all the way tapped into that potential yet. Obviously, as a rookie player, a lot of growth. But they're really thrilled with how he's progressing at this stage in his career and excited to get more out of him in the future. So I think LaVisca is a flex play. This matchup, I think, is a high upside flex play. So I would happily start LaVisca Chenault and uh, just see what you can get. So moving on now, Buffalo and Tennessee. This is an interesting one because I don't think we see this game played. It's currently scheduled for Tuesday, but that is assuming that there are zero positive COVID tests between now and Tuesday. And the Titans have had, I think, one day since the outbreak began that caused them to not play last week's game with no positive tests. So they've had a positive test almost every day, including today, which is Thursday. And if they have a positive test tomorrow, it's like it's likely at this point, then I think they have to call this game. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this game. I mean, if you have any of these players, you put them in your flex spots while you're waiting for the games to be played out. And I think we know if this game is going to be played before Sunday. So keep an eye on the news. Um, follow us on Twitter. We'll be sure to keep you guys updated. And I'm sure you probably already follow enough people. But yeah, give us a follow as well. We'd like to, to join your timeline. So, I mean, if this is played, I like the Bills to win because they're playing at a really high level right now they're 4-0 and one of few undefeated teams Tennessee's actually 3-0 and but um yeah I just don't see this game being played personally and uh, I know I've been kind of pessimistic about COVID the whole time but I mean this is why so 23 positive cases in counting on one team and I don't think they can put these these two teams in a stadium together so we'll go ahead and gloss over that we'll actually touch on it in a little bit um just kind of reiterate what I just talked about so Arizona and New York Jets. So Arizona is two and two. They've dropped their last two games. They are seven point favorites over the Jets who are just in shambles. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is back off of IR. So if you have Lev Bell, I mean, you can start him. He's kind of in that David Johnson conversation where it's like, man, like, is it worth it? I mean, do you have a better option is the question. Le'Veon Bell is still a high-end player. He just plays on one of the worst teams in football uh, in the 0-4 New York Jets. So Adam Gase is still there. Sam Darnold's not playing this week off of uh, his injury last week. So Joe Flacco will be starting. Jamison Crowder, you can play him because he's probably all they have. Le'Veon Bell, and that's about it. Those are the only two names I'm looking at, and I'm not excited about either of them. So with Arizona... Kenyon Drake, this is a make or break week for him. You need to monitor his snap shares, I think, and his involvement, his rushing attempts versus that of Chase Edmonds. So Drake went down with an injury. He said that he just got the wind knocked out of himself. So nothing major. He did return to practice and practiced all week, but he's been grossly inefficient all season. So definitely one of the biggest misses by the industry. I know Alex was like all the way out on Drake preseason. And I was like hot and cold to the idea of drafting Drake at his ADP. Cause you know, like last year he went off in the eight games he was there, but this year it's just not been what we, uh, we thought we were going to get from Drake. And 
that was kind of my worry with this. So um, I have no Kenyan Drake on any of my teams. And at this point, I am thrilled about that. But that being said, if you can't start Kenyon Drake against the New York Jets, then when are you ever going to start him again? So if you have him, you have to basically bank on this being the get right week. I get if you don't want to start him, but if he doesn't do anything this week, I don't know if he's even worth holding on your roster. So, I mean, that's where we are with a back end of the second, early third round pick through four weeks. So it's, it's interesting, but Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, you start Christian Kirk found the end zone last week, but I mean, he's a desperation kind of flex play at this be at this point for me, um, start him if you have to, but don't be too excited. He I mean, he does have that upside to find the end zone and the jets are just horrid. So it could be kind of a field day for the, uh, the passing attack there in Arizona, if they still just plan to run a shitload of plays. So yeah, definitely something to monitor there. Um, the big story in this game is obviously the running back situation in Arizona. So go ahead and move on. Philly and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh are seven-point favorites in a 45-and-a-half-point over-under. Pittsburgh last week had their buy, like their unplanned buy, because the Titans um, and the COVID outbreak. So Pittsburgh is rested. This game is in Pittsburgh. Philly is coming off of their first win of the season, so a little bit of momentum there, but they're still just so banged up on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense looked good last week, and that's why they won that game because Carson Wentz still didn't look that impressive. But I like Pittsburgh in this game. I like all the pieces of Pittsburgh. James Conner has looked phenomenal. We all thought that his season was kind of over in week one with the ankle sprain. We all rushed to pick up Benny Snell. And since then, James Conner has been like, no, this is my job. And he's looked great. So uh, you start James Conner. I think you can get back in running back one numbers out of him this week. Uh, just given his role in the receiving game, Deontay Johnson, who I'm going to go ahead and say is the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh, start him. And then Juju, you start him. Juju's got the touchdowns, but Deontay's got the targets and um, just looks phenomenal. So I'm really excited to get um, Deontay Johnson back on the field this week. He should be fully recovered from his concussion. He's been at practice, him and Juju both. So I think week two, he exited the game pretty early with a concussion. So I've been missing out on uh, my Deontay Johnson watching, and I'm really excited to get that back this weekend. So Pittsburgh wins this game. Their defense is going to really give that Philadelphia offense fits. And um, yeah, you'll find out later that Philly, I'm not really excited about any of them, including Miles Sanders. So I think you start him because he was probably your first running back picked. And you just hope that he's heavily involved and heavily targeted as a receiver. And you hope, you better hope you play in some sort of PPR league so we can get you those points that way. I think it's going to be a long day for Miles Sanders. Cincy and Baltimore. Baltimore are 13-point favorites in a 51-point over-under game. This is in Baltimore. Baltimore won last week coming off of a really, really bad loss to Kansas City. That just did not look good. One thing to note is Lamar Jackson has been dealing with injuries all week. He has not practiced, but they're still planning to play him. Uh, Lamar is averaging, I think, less than 200 yards passing per game. So, I mean, I ranted on quarterback drafting strategy on a previous episode, maybe even last episode. You picked him in the second round for him to throw less than 200 yards a game and not really look that impressive doing it. So this is why late round quarterback is so effective. But, I mean, that's that rant is in the previous episode. So take a listen to that. You'll find it in there. Um, I'm not saying don't start Lamar. You obviously start Lamar Jackson because I mean he's the reigning MVP and a total game breaker. 
but if he's not healthy, they might not play in this full game if they don't have to. So I think Joe Burrow is extremely talented and good enough to keep this game close. So they might need to play Lamar the whole game. So I think you can start him and expect, uh, I mean, you expect the quarterback one numbers out of him. So it'll just be interesting to see what you get. Marquise Brown has been one of the bigger disappointments this year for me personally. Um, I could have written about him earlier. He just hasn't looked good. And I think a lot of that is due to Lamar not being that great through the air this year so far. I mean, Hollywood's a receiver. And if your quarterback's not throwing that well, the receiving game's obviously going to be impacted by that. So Baltimore has been a really frustrating team so far because there's no clarity at running back. Lamar's underperforming, which impacts all the receivers. So for a high powered offense, there's not a lot of fantasy goodness here that I'm really digging into too far outside of Lamar and you just have to hope that he gets right. So with Cincy, on the other hand, there's a lot here to like, and starting with Joe Burrow, he's phenomenal. He got his first win last week. And I mean, at LSU, I mean, Burrow just tipped college football upside down. And then coming into the NFL, it's been a, a growing pain, but not really as big as what I thought it would be. I mean, Joe Burrow was really good for one year in college and he just walked right into the NFL and he looks just totally elite. So uh, it's been a pain for him to lose because he's never been like a loser as an athlete his whole life. But I think since he's got just a total stud and they're making a little bit of a Bengals fan out of me, at least Joe Burrow is because the dude is fun to watch and just a good dude as well. So I'm really excited to see him continue to grow into the league. The Bengals offense, I mean, Mixon's coming off that huge week. He actually scored through the air. So if they continue to throw him the ball, that would be ideal because we all know Mixon has the hands, but it's like they've just never used him that way. So Mixon last week saw six targets, which I say give Mixon a couple of AJ Green's targets per week. This is what you get. You get a six target, six reception game, only 30 yards, but a touchdown. So, I mean, that's, totally fine if you get that on a weekly basis from Joe Mixon he's capable of that so Tyler Boyd I think is the best receiving option in Cincinnati right now AJ Green's still got all those targets but he's still wildly inefficient with them and T Higgins is kind of a a touchdown upside guy on a weekly basis because he and Joe Burrow have a connection there which is going to be special for years and years to come so Burrow Mixon Boyd and Higgins if you're needing a like a touchdown play, like a high upside play, I'd be fine. AJ Green, I'm kind of just fading out on. Not a drop yet because it could be that like the veteran and rookie quarterback connection isn't there yet. And Green is still getting targeted pretty heavily. So I, I think you just have to wait. But I mean, if there's other options, like I would have dropped AJ Green for Justin Jefferson, but maybe trade AJ Green for Justin Jefferson I don't know if people would do that at this point because Jeff's looking legit, but uh, yeah, I don't know. AJ Green is a, a bench for me this week. So I like Baltimore to win the game, but I like Cincy to keep that spread close. I don't think that Baltimore's going to win by 13. So I think it's going to be closer than people think. Miami and San Francisco, San Francisco, nine point favorites and a 51.5 over under San Francisco, George Kittle last week, just, Looked like a man amongst boys. Debo Samuel was back. Brandon Ayuk is back. Jimmy Garoppolo returned to practice this week. Uh, Raheem Mostert is on the mend. 
Uh, while Raheem Mostert's been out, Jarek McKinnon has filled in admirably. He's been amazing. So, and what a cool story too, because I remember when he was in Minnesota and left Minnesota to sign that contract with the 49ers, I was like, he's going to freaking smash there. And he's just been hurt. So coming off two ACLs, it's great to see McKinnon playing at this level. So I think all the guys I just named, you play. Um, Debo, I'm really excited to have back. So I, he's been on my IR spot in one of my own leagues for quite a while. So I'm excited to push him back to my lineup. Uh, Brandon Ayuk has been consistently good in two games now. And then Kittle obviously is a, a smash play every single week at tight end position. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. They said Jimmy's practicing. He's limited. So it could be Nick Mullins, but he got benched for CJ Beathard. I don't think you need to mess around with the San Francisco quarterback, but I would still start the skill position players there because that's where the balls are going to go. And you just don't really care who the quarterback is. Uh, Miami, Devontae Parker, Miles Gaskin, Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's my new trio there. That's all I'm comfortable starting. Mike Kosicki at tight end if you have to. Um, tight end's been pretty up and down throughout the year. And Gasicki's been kind of one of the, the prime suspects there. And what was a really, really great matchup last week, Gasicki finishes tight end 43 versus Seattle. So like Gasicki is thought of there as like the big slot guy. And he saw three targets for one catch for 15 yards. So just trash and that's not reliable so I, I wouldn't feel comfortable starting Kasiki this week but Devontae Parker had 10 targets last week definitely start him and then Fitz as long as he's still the starter I think he's a fine play just because he throws the ball so much Miles Gaskin's been a good volume running back he seems to have like taken over between the 20s at least in Miami as the the primary back you saw Jordan Howard get in for a touchdown at the goal line a couple weeks ago Gaskin is going to get the majority of the work and he can catch the ball in the backfield. So he's fine, but yeah, I don't know. San Francisco is going to win this game just because they have better talent all around and it could be Tua time sooner than we think. So I did write about Tua in this week's weekly roundup as a guy to keep your eye on on waivers as we move forward into the coming weeks. This is the first week that Miami failed to commit to Fitzpatrick as their starter like early. They said, we don't know yet. So just something to monitor Dallas, New York, I'm starting everyone on the Dallas Cowboys, Zeke, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Mari Cooper, um, obviously Dak talked about him at the top of the show, and Dalton Schultz even at tight end. So the Cowboys are eight and a half point favorites. I say start all the wide receivers, but this could easily turn into a Zeke game, which we've been waiting to see. But the Cowboys defense can't stop anybody. So, and I actually said I'm starting no one on the Giants. I totally lied. I'm sorry. I would start Daniel Jones and I would start Darius Slayton because the Cowboys defense is so bad. You saw what the Browns did to them last week. So yeah, I would feel confident this week in this matchup with Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton. Uh, Golden Tate maybe is that slot receiver heavily targeted and even Evan Ingram. So wow, um, I'm actually starting more Giants than I thought I would given their 0-4 and just totally suck. But this matchup is too good. Um, the opening line was 11 and then it is narrowed down to eight and a half. And I think people are just kind of losing faith in the Cowboys to be able to actually win games, and like get a lead and keep it. So, I mean, rightfully so they have not looked that good this year uh, and their one and three record kind of proves that. But that being said, I think the Cowboys win this game, get to that two and three mark giants fall to own five and gosh, what a, 
what a dumpster fire of a season for them so far. So uh, Cleveland and Indianapolis, I think this is going to be a really good game. This might be one of the, the better games of the weekend. Indy is currently a two and a half point favorite, 46 and a half point over under. So the Colts have one of the best defenses in the league, if not the best. I think them and the Steelers are right up there with each other. Um, the Colts are kind of just a well-rounded unit and the Steelers have like the big names. So yeah, the Colts are just playing at such a high level. And I think that's going to be a real struggle for Cleveland. Who's now down Nick Chubb, uh, Kareem Hunt's limited at practice. Odell is, I mean, he had a huge week last week, but throughout the season, like he's been up and down. He's been wishy-washy. They don't have consistent tight end play. And Baker is just not sold on Baker. Cause even though they put up 48 points last week, Baker still did not look that good on the week in week four with a huge game. Baker was still the quarterback 20. So Jarvis Landry threw one of the touchdowns. Baker only had two touchdowns. Odell rushed for a touchdown. So Odell's big game was like, had very little to do with Baker Mayfield. And that's just, uh, that's where we're at with Baker. I think versus this defense, I don't think I want to start Baker. I mean, you start Odell with the upside he has, the involvement he's being targeted. They're scheming for him in the red zone now. So that's nice, but this is a really, really good defense. So I'm not expecting much out of Odell this week. And I actually considered him as my sit of the week at wide receiver. So um, there's temper expectations from Cleveland. Three and one. Um, I do like the Colts to win this game. So Kareem Hunt is just smash play moving forward i know i said he's limited in practice but he was also limited last week and he still scored he still scored twice last week in that game versus dallas and yeah he was limited the week before too so kareem hunts a smash play and potentially a top 10 option moving forward while nick chubb is out he finished last week as the running back 11 and that was with zero targets so we know kareem hunt has that upside to catch the ball as well so I love Kareem Hunt moving forward. If you have him, he's going to be a high, high-end wide running back option for you, and you just plug him in and forget about it. On the Colts side of the ball, despite being disappointed in Jonathan Taylor, I'm still starting him. He has that home run ability, plus he's getting 15-plus touches a game, rushing attempts. And it kind of blows my mind they're not giving him more receiving work because in week one we saw the six-for-six six for 67 yards. Since then, he hasn't even totaled 67 yards in the other games combined. So I'd like to see more looks at him in the receiving game. I don't know why they're not just leaving him on the field longer. But, I mean, that's not my job. I just watch and I analyze. So I'm starting him with the ups or the hope that he gets into the end zone this week and just kind of takes that high volume of carries. I'm not starting Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins just looks abysmal. He's like Kalen Balaj bad right now with, in terms of his efficiency. Um, Hines, I just, man, I don't know if you, the game script could be a Hines game, but I just really want Taylor to be a thing so badly. I mean, he's the RB 16. It's not like he's the RB 30, but we thought once Mac went down, he'd be a weekly top 10. I mean, I thought that, and that's just not what we've gotten. Um, Philip Rivers is a okay play. I think he's, I mean, they were touting his completion percentage last week, and I just am not have not been impressed with Rivers this year. T.Y. Hilton, no thank you. Um, Zach Pascal, no thank you. I think Mo Alley Cox is about the only receiving option here on the Colts offense I want to start. And uh, yeah, I'm just gonna 
that's probably it for the Colts. Mo Alley Cox and Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, if you have to, as a flex. So I'm still comfortable with Taylor as an RB2. And luckily, that's where you drafted him in the third or fourth round. He is your RB2. So, um, yeah, that's what I like in this game. And I think I like the Colts to win, but the Browns could be sneaky here and uh, pull out an upset. A couple more games left, Minnesota and Seattle. Seattle are seven-point favorites and a 56.5-point over-under. I like all the pieces, I honestly, from both sides because Minnesota's offense has a lot of really great weapons that have kind of emerged in Justin Jefferson. Dalvin Cook's been on an absolute tear the past couple weeks going over 100 yards, like 181 and 130. He's found the end zone both games, so he's on a roll right now. He leads the league in rushing by a wide margin, so super pumped for cook and you obviously start cook it's not like groundbreaking stuff but yeah i mean it's just worth noting that he's playing extremely well right now so you start him and you expect good a good game um minnesota's wide receiver so adam Thielen, you start him and then justin jefferson's back-to-back 100 yard games and we'll talk about him here in a couple of minutes it's my start of the week at wide receiver in this matchup so Tight ends in Minnesota, no thank you with uh, Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph. I'm just out on that experiment there. Um, Yeah, that you can definitely do better. And then Seattle, Russ, you start him. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Greg Olson's actually pretty reliable at this point. I had a team last week where I had OJ Howard, and obviously he tore his Achilles. So I picked up Olsen. I need a starting tight end. And I think my other one is Joni Smith. So with that game in jeopardy, I'm fine pivoting to Olsen just because I think he's involved enough to get me a safe floor of targets. So yeah, I like the Seahawks to win the game. And I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. Kirk Cousins is in play this week. I know we kind of shit on him a couple of weeks ago when he had negative points and like, that's what you get when you have negative points, you get shit on. So this is going to be a game, though, where you can play Kirk Cousins and his weapons, and you always play the Seattle weapons, given how bad their defense is. Also, down Jamal Charles is something huge to note. Like The secondary that gives up the most passing yards in the league is down their best player. So it's going to be uh, just a, a feast through the air. Last game, the Monday night game, is the Chargers versus the Saints. The Saints are 2-2. Two and two. The Chargers are 1-3. and three. Chargers have finally just fully committed to Herbert as their starting quarterback. And Herbert was making names known last week. He threw three touchdowns to three different receivers I'd never heard of. So super impressive. And he looks the part. And like, I missed on Herbert. I was wrong. And I'm, I'm happy. I mean, I'm picking Herbert up where I can. I'm not going to let my bias in the preseason affect my fantasy play now. Like he's the real deal. He looks so good. And yeah, I'm starting him. I mean, Matt Stafford's on by this week, but I would consider starting him in the future over Matt Stafford because Stafford's just not looked that impressive throughout the year. And Herbert, I mean, has tons of potential and he has premier weapons around him. Obviously losing Austin Eckler is a huge, huge blow to that team. But I mean, Keenan Allen's about to be targeted even more. And we saw last week, like it doesn't matter who he's throwing to. He can throw a ball to like Guyton, like a 60 yard bomb to Guyton and he'll catch it. And like, just really good ball placement, really impressive stuff from Herbert, especially versus a really good defense in Tampa Bay. So kept that game close. I did call that as my upset last week and it almost came through for me. So it was a very, very fun game to watch. Nonetheless, um, in 
LA, you start Herbert, I think pretty comfortably at this point, just because the passing volume and he's got the rushing upside too. He's a super good athlete. Keenan Allen is an easy every week start with his target volume. Hunter Henry has been heavily relied on since Herbert has taken over, which is great to see. Um, he's a great start. And I know the the three receivers, I don't know their names actually, but I'm not going to mess with them as like super deep because you're only counting on a touchdown. Uh, I would like more volume. And I think there's definitely better plays to be had during the week or during this uh, group of games. So don't mess around with any of those deep guys, but I mean, it's just fun to watch Herbert make, like give them their moment on television, I guess, for their families. So good for him. Um, the Saints, I mean, <laughs> this has been one of the most puzzling teams so far. Michael Thomas goes down. He's been down for a while now and they just haven't looked good. They didn't look good with Mike to be out to be honest, like versus Tampa Bay in week one, nothing, really jumped off the screen. Um, Alvin Kamara is what makes that team go right now. And I mean, he's just elite. He's elite of the elite. And I love watching him play and you continue to start Kamara, but that's really about all I want. Like Jared Cook has been a huge disappointment over the past few weeks. Traquan Smith, he got two touchdowns last week, but I mean, he's kind of in that conversation. Like if you're desperate and need a flex play. Traquan Smith, you could do much worse. He's going to be involved. You know, he's going to be on the field. But, I mean, it's it's not looking great. Drew Brees is not – I mean, I know he says he feels fine, but it's not looking super good for the Saints right now. Um, they had a really close game with the, the Detroit Lions team last week that just isn't that good. So, I mean, that being said, they're seven-and-a-half-point favorites. It's in New Orleans. I know no fans, but I think there is something to be stead still for – just not having to travel. So I like the Saints to win the game. I think it's going to be a big Alvin Kamara game again. I mean, he's in contention to be the the running back one every week until Mike comes back. And um, Also, speaking of Michael Thomas, is he was practicing in a limited fashion on Thursday. So could be back here in the next week or two. So that's the game wrap up. And now I'll go ahead and move into my starts of the week. My start at quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater. Um, the Falcons have the second worst pass defense in the league. Three of the first four games, the tight or the Falcons have allowed a top 10 finish in fantasy for opposing quarterbacks. And Nick Foles was the one that didn't, and he only played half the game and he still finishes like quarterback 17 that week. So Teddy Bridgewater's in line for a huge game versus a beat up defense. It's just not very good in the first place. A running back start of the week is James Robinson versus the Texans. We touched on the Texans having the worst ranked defense against the run. Last week, they gave 130 yards to Dalvin Cook on the ground. And Robinson's a guy, every game so far, he's told at least 90 yards from scrimmage, either rushing or receiving. Um, that combined total, every game, 90 yards. Like, that's a super safe floor. He's got three touchdowns in four games. And currently, he ranks eighth in rushing and second in receiving. So just a very versatile player who's a true workhorse. And he's, like, in a great matchup this week. So... Um, RB six on the year as a guy that you got off waivers. I don't know if he's like a, a secret start of the week, like obviously not a secret, but still worth noting here. I think he's going to have like the potential to finish as a high end RB one in this matchup. Uh, my wide receiver start of the week is Justin Jefferson. So another rookie Jefferson gets that Seahawks defense. that is just absolute trash. They've given up a ton of yards through the air and Jefferson coming off back to back hundred yard games. I think it's safe to say he's acclimated to the league. Cousins is looking his way now. 
And I mentioned earlier, Jamal Adams, who's the best part of that defense, is out for the game. I mean, yeah, Bobby Wagner, but I mean, he's not covering wide receivers. So it's going to be a heyday there in Seattle. And I think Jefferson's in line for potentially his third 100-yard game in a row, which would be super impressive from a rookie. So, But this is why they drafted him, to fill in that Diggs role, and he's looking like a legit second option to Thielen right now. Uh, my tight end start of the week is Hayden Hurst versus the Panthers. I think it's just a, it's a good matchup for fantasy football. The Panthers have a bad defense. Julio Jones is questionable and he might not play. So last week, Hurst saw six targets versus the Packers. And this game has a high over under. It's a 54 point over under. If you're down one of your top targets in like Zacchaeus and Russell Gage, I mean, there is, Russell Gage has been pretty consistent, but Zacchaeus is not a guy that I'm like, oh, wow, you got to watch out for him. So I think Hurst against a bad defense coming off a six target game, like Ryan's looking his way and he's got two touchdowns on the year too. So a high scoring game in a big target in Hayden Hurst could be a red zone threat or is a red zone threat. I like his opportunity to get into the end zone this week. If nothing else, just to be heavily targeted in a, a high scoring matchup. My sits of the week quarterback. I'm actually not committing to a single player. Um, I'm not messing with this Bills and Titans game. I'm not doing it. I think it's going to get canceled to the point. I think the Titans are forfeiting the game for like mishandling their team and breaking these rules, which like it sucks because Josh Allen's been on an absolute tear for fantasy football this year, but I'm not starting him because I don't think this game happens. So if we don't hear anything, I think it'll be announced beforehand. And this is obviously probably a cop out. So I'm not messing with the Titans. If you need to go pick up a quarterback to replace either of these two guys, do it right now. So you're not in a situation where you get to Sunday and a streaming option isn't available that you could have gotten on Friday or Saturday. So just be prepared. I'm not going to mess with this. My um, running back set of the week is Miles Sanders versus the Steelers. Steelers defense, they've only played three games and they've only allowed 162 yards in those games rushing. So Miles Sanders I said earlier, you start him because he's probably your first running back picked, maybe first or second round pick. You start him, but in his last two games, fully healthy and would have been really good matchups for running backs. He's been the RB 21 and the RB 33. So he's not performing well. And I think a lot of that's due because like Carson Wentz isn't performing well. So you have to hope that he's heavily targeted. I think with the receivers being all hurt, it makes sense that he would be. But even in smash matchups in the past couple of weeks, he hasn't pulled through. And I actually have Sanders and James Robinson in a league, and I benched Miles Sanders in favor of James Robinson. I think the matchup just is so much better for Robinson. My um, sit of the week and probably the rest of the season is Preston Williams. I kind of tried to will it into existence last week of him having his breakout game. And he got me like four points in that league, and it was abysmally bad. And I'm just done. I'm cutting Williams for other options and not really looking back. I would rather hold Brian Edwards on my bench than Preston Williams on my bench. That's where I'm at right now with Preston Williams. Um, the only wide receiver, at least until we see a quarterback change, I'm comfortable starting is Devontae Parker, and he should be a fine start in this week's game. So um, don't mess with Williams. I think it's time to, to move on at least for 2020. So my tight end set of the week is Austin Hooper. Versus the Colts last week, Hooper slotted in as the tight end six in that shootout uh, with Dallas. And I just, I mean, it's great. You see him pop up and have a good game. Show what the Browns signed him for and paid him for. 
but he's currently the tight end 25 on the year. So before last week, virtually uninvolved. I think it, against this defense specifically, it it's not going to be a good game for Hooper. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I thought about having Odell in this sick column as well. And I don't think it's as much of an indictment on Odell as it is Baker. Baker's just not been that good. And that applies to Hooper here as well. So those are my starts and sits. We ran through all the games. I talked probably longer than I thought it would. So thanks for hanging out with me, guys. It's been a, a blast. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at A to Z FFB. Check me out on Twitter at Zach FFB. Check us out on Instagram. I'm trying to get back into that at A to Z FFB as well. Um, all our information is in our link tree. You can find it on any of our social media platforms. And yeah, just hit us up whenever. If you have questions, tag us in polls. And we'd really, really, really appreciate it if you would subscribe or ever you listen to us on um, your, your phones or computers, uh, subscribe and leave us a review if possible. Um, yeah, that would help us a lot just in terms of how we can get better and help grow our show to, to reach more and more people. So yeah, with that, I'll let you guys off the horn. We'll see you next time and have a great weekend.